You are listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. I am Andrea Ross, your host. In this series, we feature some of the most successful recruitment experts from across the region to discuss the forces, opportunities and challenges that are shaping the recruitment industry. Building and maintaining a good relationship with your client is crucial. I reached out to Wendy Heng, Associate Director of Robert Walters Singapore, that has spent the last 17 years building strong, proactive relationships with her clients. She'll be sharing with you how she has built trusted relationships, sharing insightful stories on what didn't go so well and what clients are really looking for in a recruiter now and in the future. So check it out. It feels great to be in the Robert Walters offices. The listeners can't actually see this at the moment, but I'm actually sitting in one of the media rooms and there's a fantastic backdrop at the Robert Walters offices where it's wallpaper with Robert Walters logo. It looks pretty impressive, actually. I'm kind of wondering whether Robert Walters has actually got it in his home or one of his many homes, you know, just to remind himself who he is. You know, I think that would be quite good. Anyway, let's, uh, let's begin. Wendy, tell me, for those that perhaps people haven't had a chance to look at your LinkedIn profile, you know, they haven't had a chance to have a peaky look. Run me through when you first moved into recruitment, run me through sort of your, your career with Robert Walters. Okay. I guess it's one of the most common stories in recruitment. I came to Robert Walters as a candidate. Oh, I'm one not of, sure I knew that actually. <laughs> one of my ex-bosses referred me as a candidate for a role that one of her consultants was working on. Oh, right. It was an advertising sales role. And I remember I bombed the interview with the client. <laughs> <laughs> it, was held in, it was held in this office actually. And as I was doing the interview, I already knew that it was going really badly. <laughs> Why? What was going so bad? I don't know. It's just one of those that it never had the right flow. Right. And I tried to make it better and I got more and more nervous. Right. So it just got worse and worse. Did you try and do a few jokes or something? No, nah, like, he like, wasn't the jokes. joking sort. Oh. Yeah. Okay, it was so never going to work out. It was then, never going to work. So at the yeah. end of it, I actually shook his hand and said, thank you so much for your time. I know I'm not getting the job. <laughs> I hope I did not waste your time, um, but thanks. So polite. That was that was it. And then um, my ex-boss turned around and asked me whether I would consider recruitment. Wow. I thought it never crossed my mind because, you know, being typical Singaporean, mm-hmm. parents want you to be engineers, doctors, mm-hmm. accountants. Mm. They probably still do not know what I do till today, right? <laughs> so I didn't think it was a sales job. I thought right. it was an HR job. Yep. Um, so I thought, Oh, at that time, I had actually already resigned without a role as I wanted to take a break. Right, okay. Yeah, so I thought, okay, no harm. Let me find out a little bit more. And so I went through, you know, the typical Robert Walters process. They got yeah. me to meet nine to 10 people. Right. That was the process was bad. very, very fast. Yeah. <laughs> Realized it was a sales role and I thought, you know what? I know I, I was always going to do a sales role. Yeah. Didn't know anything about recruitment. And my ex-boss also suggested at that point that I should maybe consider looking at a couple of other recruitment companies. Right. I sent my resume to two of the biggest brand names. I mean, other than us, of course. Yeah. Um, not never, mentioning names. <clears throat> not mentioning any names. No. They probably wouldn't want me to. Um, not, I did not get a response from either one of them. Interesting. God, Despite, I bet they're kicking themselves now. I hope God so. <laughs> damn it. I bet they're changing their whole process now. They are both still in recruitment, the two people that I addressed my resume to. Gutted, gutted. Never replied my email, didn't call me back even though I left messages. So I thought, wow. you know what? That's fine. Yeah. So when Robert Walters offered me a role, I took it and I told myself that I've got to do better at getting back to people. Because it felt 
Right. Very frustrating as a candidate, actually, right. to be honest. Right. So those experiences, mm. kind of, that's something that's always yeah. sort of worked through. Okay, that's Correct. interesting. And then run me through, so you came aboard into mm. the recruitment side. So you went straight into sales marketing. I did. 20, okay. um, 2007, that was. 2007. It was okay. a weird date. I started on 30th of April, which was a Monday. So I always remember as a consultant in sales and marketing, focusing on FMCG and healthcare. Right. right. Back then, um, we were a slightly different size as well. So I did two portfolios. Okay. Um, oh, the early days, it wasn't so developed then. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was good fun because back in the day, there was hardly any talent acquisition. Mm. Um, there was also no LinkedIn. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. A lot of the roles were just outsourced to agencies. Nice. Yeah, so you just had to make sure that you were one of the agencies if I'm ideally the only one working on the roles. Yeah. Then, if I remember correctly, I got promoted in 2009 to senior consultant. Okay. Covering the same areas with the intention of moving into a managerial role. So I mentored one person I think what really helped was, I mean, I'm sure you remember, 09 was the great financial crisis. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't in banking. So I was not really impacted by that. That really helped. Yeah. But I think we had the best year in 2009, actually. I think 2008 was tough. And then 2009, yeah, 2010, 2010 was our best was year. Yeah, we, yeah. we bounced back from that. Yeah. But 2009 was tough, um, especially for the banking side. Mm -hmm. I, I still remember. And then I got promoted to manager in 2010. One team and then eventually, I think two teams. We had quite a few permutations to be honest yeah. can't really keep track of them all um, then got promoted to associate director in 2016 I think yeah 2016 okay yeah so and here so, I am so when you were starting as a consultant did you have those desires to want to take on a bigger portfolio and do mentoring and or is it just actually no just happened? no <laughs> actually no I remember my ex-boss talking to me and I think I probably stunted my own development yeah. by choice. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt that I wanted to be ready before yeah. I took on additional responsibilities mm. rather than saying, you know what, I want a bigger job without knowing whether I can actually do it. Yeah. So I guess they've always had to ask me a couple of times. And in fact, yeah. I think my... I remember. <laughs> my latest promotion <laughs> in 2016, I think um, my... MD then and now CEO of APEC literally just said, you know what, you're doing it. Yeah. Doesn't so did you feel you needed that though, actually? That, did you, did you mm. think if that didn't happen that you would still be purely a billing consultant? Not that there's anything wrong with that. but Yeah, I think when I started managing people, it, okay, I know myself pretty well. So the one thing that I like and people who know me will definitely agree. I like control. Yes. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I know. Yes. I like being in control mm -hmm. and it's very hard to have that when you manage people. Yeah. Yeah, because you can only try your best and the yeah. rest is still up to them. Because they can be volatile. Yeah. That made me very, very uncomfortable and mm. it was really tough in, mm. in the beginning. But today, right, I would not be able to go back into a pure billing role. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. I, I just really can't. Nice. That's really yeah. nice to hear. Why, why is that? What's changed for you then? What's changed um, would be, I think initially it was nice to know how, how well you can do individually in terms of billings and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But now I think it's nicer for me when I see my people do it. Okay. Yeah, so the satisfaction comes more from how well the team does. Yeah. And my people do when I see them get promoted, when you give them good bonuses. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. better than my own billings because I've done that for You've so done long. That. Yeah. yeah, it's not stretching you anymore. Mm. This is no, pushing you out your comfort really zone. Yeah, correct. Cool, very mm. good. So you've built, you've been up at an excellent reputation providing quality and consistent results to clients so. in your space. <laughs> Where did I, you get that from? <laughs> I know, I know so. 
I'm curious to know whether that was something that was relatively easy for you to achieve or were there sort of specific actions or steps you had to follow to achieve that? Good question. Well, thank you, Wendy. Thank you. I was in sales for five years. Before, but, before, yeah, you before went recruitment, recruitment yeah. correct. So it was advertising and sponsorship sales. I've worked for one small, more B2B type company where right. it's very boiler room-like. Oh, was it? <laughs> yes, it was. So it was a little bit more transactional or should okay. I say management encouraged more transactional yeah. um, way of doing business because it's faster, it's cheaper, right? How do you uh, feel about that at that time? Not great, but mm. that was like, my second job and I didn't really mm. know whether that was it because you know I was still so fresh yeah. so I thought okay maybe that's how the world yeah, works yeah, yeah. yeah of course but I never felt comfortable because yeah. I just thought it's ridiculous so I was selling stuff over the phone on some days I felt like um, high class highly paid telemarketer yeah and you don't build relationships over the phone I found that very strange to be honest yeah and then I went into advertising sales where I worked on a publication called Harper's Bazaar. Okay. So yeah. it's a um, high-end fashion magazine. So all my clients were luxury marketing okay. Uh, people. Okay. It's a very relationship-driven mm. kind of sector. Mm. Um, no way you would sell something over the phone. Right. So on the one hand, you had the marketing directors or the C-level people from luxury companies. And then on the other hand, we also relied quite heavily on media agencies. And relationships had to be built over time. Definitely. I still remember it was quite, I don't know, a little bit bittersweet. I probably signed my biggest contract on my last day at work. So I was in that job for almost four years. Um, and I managed to get a client that was, let's just say they were, they own a group of brands. Okay. And it was always tough because um, they didn't think that females were their target audience. They, you know, it right. was actually luxury watches, to be honest. Oh, right. Yeah. So they didn't okay. feel like females would be the right target mm -hmm. audience. but you know, I just worked at it. They had multiple brands. So you do, you know, I would network with all the different brands. And then on the last day before I left, they awarded us like the biggest contract because finally managed to get a few brands signing up for the whole year. That took almost four years. Wow. Yeah, to, to get. So so what was it then when you're saying you networked? Talk me through what exactly was involved countless in that. coffees, um, providing yeah. them with market information. Okay. Attending all the events because um, right. they do a lot of event launches mm -hmm. and the clients kind of expect you to be there to support. Yeah. Not making every conversation or meeting about, I need you to advertise with me. Right. Because I think people can sense that. Yeah, they can smell it a mile off, can't they? 100%. Yeah. I think we are also consumers. Right. Um, so, you know, if you are sincere, I think over time they will actually get it. So when you're having the coffees or attending events, mm. it's it's just building relationship about it's them and being more sensitive. It's not getting, you're not having that agenda in no. your eyes and no. your posture when you're there and everything. <laughs> totally yeah. not. I've done like, even now, I think I do a lot of lunches where I don't even talk about work. Yeah. Yeah. And um, of nice. course, at the end of the day, I'm still tasked to do a commercial role. I have to bring mm -hmm. in the numbers, but I think clients generally can tell. Yeah, and they know yeah. why you're there anyway. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you don't want to make every single conversation mm. purely about how much are you going to give me, right? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And I actually quite enjoy it because there are just some, I guess there are just some clients that you get along better with anyway. And the lunch yeah. is not even painful. Yeah. So interestingly enough that I'm doing this today, um, tonight I'm having dinner with two place candidates slash clients. Okay. Very interesting. Um, The first one... um. I place her as a candidate first and then in that role, 
she wasn't in a position to give us any work. Okay. Um, she subsequently joined two different companies and it was, I mean, they are two companies that we've never been able to work with. Thanks to her, we have now, they are two, they are now two of our best clients actually. Wow. Thanks to her because she really helped open the door yeah. and say to HR, you know what, why don't we try working with them? Right, so that candid experience then that you yes. imparted to her then I would, like would to carry so. through. Yeah, carry yeah. through. Correct. Yeah. And then interestingly enough, one of the people that she hired from me is the other person that is joining us for dinner. Nice. So, yeah, so they got along so well that even though now they're not working for the same company, oh, wow. they're still friends. That's really <laughs> yeah. nice. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Wow. I mean, I would like to think that, you know, if they want to spend time with me on a Friday night. Oh, I'll tell you, you've yeah. nailed it. You've nailed it. I yeah. couldn't have done such a bad job. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. It's a Friday night, right? Exactly. So, and I actually am looking forward to it. It's also, I mean, mm. some of my colleagues say, oh my God, you want to have dinner with clients on a Friday yeah, night. Yeah, but they're, they're still people irrespective exactly. of your, how you met them. Correct. They're still people you enjoy Correct. spending time yeah. with and you respect them. And yeah. 100%. And yeah. I actually don't think we're going to talk about work. No. I've known them both for 13 years. I right. like them for different reasons. I think we're mm. going to have a lot of fun actually. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. And on Formula One weekend as well. So I know. So we, <laughs> we had to be strategic about where. Yeah. I'm interested. So you've now been promoted and you've taken over a bigger portfolio. You're mm. doing supply chain now as well. As yeah. As via a right? team actually. I'll be lying if I say I did supply chain myself. No, that was what I was going to lead <laughs> on to. So you've obviously got a track record with mm. building relationships for clients on the FMCG side, mm. the healthcare, all, all, all those industries, sales and marketing wise. Now that you're taking over the supply chain, how's that been from like a client relationship perspective? Because obviously it's a completely different sector. Correct. Talk me through whether you've had to make those kind of adjustments then with understanding mm. the area and, and mm. are the relationships different? Have you had to sort of adjust how you approach those clients relationship-wise? Yeah, I have to because of course, you know, one of the things that maybe a lot of people may not agree with me, but I've always been, how should I say, I like HR. A lot of people mm. think, or. Oh, even some talent acquisition to a certain degree. I think a lot of people think that they make our jobs harder. Yeah. They can. Yeah. Uh, the bad ones do. Yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest. <laughs> but the good ones, I mean, if you had them on your side, then it doesn't really matter whether you're doing a sales and marketing role or a supply chain role yeah. because they can help you can be open that door, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but yes, you're right. If I had to... I guess, and I've done some of those meetings and reach out to a head of supply chain or a head mm. of procurement, mm. knowing full well that they have no idea who I am. Yeah. Even though it says in my job title. Yeah, because your track record yeah, is always correct. been in the other sectors. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have the same credibility yeah. up front. Yeah. But when I explain to them, you know, I've done 13 years of recruitment yeah. or I tell them or I share with them a little bit more in terms of the work that I've done with their company. Mm. And then you just position it as one thing to just understand their team structure, their business a little bit more mm. and seeing how we can actually mm. help. Yeah. Um, I don't think clients necessarily expect you to know the content to that no, deep a level. because it's kind of their job to be yeah, providing correct. that anyway, Yeah, correct. I'm not a procurement person. No. I'll never be one. No. Um, but what they will definitely be interested in regardless of the functions they work in would be what's happening in the market. What are the uh, competitors doing, mm. for example? Mm. What are some of the hot jobs? What is potentially the hardest areas um, to recruit for, then I would also in turn want to understand from them where they struggle in yeah. terms of finding people, right? And, yeah. you know, and then maybe provide them with some information that might actually help them. Yeah. A lot of them are also keen to understand what candidates think about them as a brand, right? So there's a lot of fairly, I would say, generic stuff that you can mm -hmm. still you can still talk about. And again, it's the same thing. Every meeting that you go to, if you're meeting somebody completely new, it will be, I guess, 
equally difficult in terms of trying to build a mm. rapport. And some people mm. will like you quite quickly. Some people never do, mm. even after 13 years. And I think it's just the way it is. Yeah, I yeah. think it's all quite mm. different, aren't we? Yep. I think, and also I think clients are looking for different things from different people, maybe. It's why yes. it's nice when you've got, like you were saying before about managing. Yes. When you've got a team of different personalities, it means that clients get a bit of a different different taste for different people. I'm keen to know, just in terms of key relationships, you know, recruitment's a really fast-paced industry. And what I often hear is that it can be a challenge to build quality and deep relationships Mm. with clients. Now, what kind of client stories can you share with me today that shows how you've maybe accelerated a key relationship? Because I appreciate we don't always have a lot of time Mm. to build trust. And, Mm. you know, because it's such a fast-paced environment, what kind of stories can you share with us that where you've had to really accelerate that relationship? Mm. Okay. I think you can only really accelerate a relationship if you have a chance to actually do a piece of work for them. Because Mm -hmm. if not, it's just tough based on meetings, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember actually at a very early stage, maybe in the same year that I joined, um, I met a client together with my ex-boss then and took a brief because she had a good relationship with Mm -hmm. that that client herself. It's Peony Lim for anyone that's out there listening. She wants to be mentioned. And took a role that to be honest, at that point in time, I didn't quite understand fully. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was a half well half consumer insights, half analytics okay. role back in a day where there was hardly any analytics people right. in Singapore. Okay. I mean, obviously today is a it's, it's a hot area. It? Yeah, it's not necessarily everywhere, but let's just say there's a lot more possibilities. Yeah. So I did not really quite understand the role. So um, thank God they gave me a technical questionnaire that helped me save through the candidates. So I knew whether or not they could do the job. But long story short, they had a lot of difficulty filling the role, rightly so. And to be honest, I was actually quite lucky because the candidate that ended up getting the job, he actually applied via our website, right? Okay. Yeah, but he did not look right on paper as he only had half, I think, half the experience that the client was looking for in terms of number of years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to push for the candidate was a bit risky because Mm. again like I said did not meet the candidate everything was via back then we also did not do Skype interviews right phone interviews so where where was the candidate based? in the US yeah so I never got a chance to meet him Um, right so it was a bit of a risk. Yeah, it was a a big risk for a new client yeah Yeah, and he was then gonna obviously if it was gonna go anywhere he was gonna relocate Mm -hmm. and there were so many issues that I did not even know. Like, I didn't realize they would be double tagged, yeah. which <laughs> made the package thing a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, they interviewed him, realized that I was right in the sense that while he didn't have the number of years, mm-hmm. the prerequisite mm-hmm. number of years, he did quality work, actually, I think enough. And he had right. presence as well. Right. He did. He was quite a confident young guy, I would say. So I still remember I was actually away for training. And... So Peony helped in terms of the tail end of the process. Mm. And um, yeah, he got a job to my surprise. Wow. Um, yeah, really. And they upgraded, I think. They had to put him at a job grade that they were not quite comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But they did it because it was the only way that could get him to to kind of move here, right? So with that, so you obviously you put yourself on the line. On Correct, that really, 100%. Didn't you? So yeah. was that, the, so the interview that took place over the mm. phone then with him, how detailed was it? What were you doing in that interview that gave you that confidence that you were willing to put your name on the yeah. line to a new client? It was actually, okay, so he spoke well, presented himself very mm. well, was very succinct in um, sharing his experience. But to be honest, I still didn't have a clue because again, <laughs> back then, I didn't understand that area that well. Yeah, but yeah. what really um, convinced me was when he sent me back that 
questionnaire. Right. It was, to me anyway, looked like, my God, the guy really knows his right. stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to like, you know, take a risk yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and do it. And right. then on the back of that, that same HR then referred me to somebody else in the organization. Right. I had to do the same thing because he had two crucial marketing roles. This time around, thankfully, I understood quite easily. I had to pitch for the roles because he didn't know me, even though the other HR probably was fairly complimentary. And he told me countless times how important the two roles were. So if he would have give them to me, I had to really deliver, right? So thankfully, I was able to put together the shortlist fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. I feel one of the roles, uh, the other one, they decided to move someone internally into the role. Right. But I think that helped because then off the back of that, he then over the years gave me a lot more work, even when he moved to a different company. Okay. Yeah. So the first part was accelerated, I guess. I mean, it's always a bit risky when you take an assignment when you know that you're being tested. Because yeah, very much so. if you fail the test, mm-hmm. then obviously you're not going to get anything else. Mm. So on hindsight, that first role was really, really a bit risky. But then I was so new. Yeah. And, and obviously, I was not in a position to tell the client we can't yeah. do the job. Because... But I suppose from their perspective, they've still got the brand name of, of Robert Walters, haven't they, mm. in terms of that sort of, mm. you know, that side of it. Just on that kind of accelerator part of the trust mm. side, because there's always that perception out there in the market that trust takes time. Mm. And I suppose a lot of work that I, a lot of books I read and a lot of work I do mm. with The Trusted Equation with Charles Green, based in the US, you know, his kind of way of looking at it is it shouldn't really take time. It is about making sure that those really short meetings or Mm. conversations Mm. that you try and accelerate it Mm. because it's recruitment. You haven't got, you don't always have months or years to cement a relationship. So if you're in a client meeting, for instance, or a coffee with a client, what kind of advice do you think you could give a new recruiter Mm. to to kind of accelerate that, to make sure Mm. that they can build trust or develop trust quite quickly? I, I don't know whether it works for everyone, but I found I find that if you're honest, right, with your clients, mm. instead of giving what they kind of expect everyone to tell them. That's true. It mm. for some clients, they then know that um you will not do something um at the expense of I don't know whether it's integrity or anything, just to make sure that you get the fee or the revenue. Yeah. So an example would be clients would they love to ask the question of, for example, like um are you currently engaging any of my employees? Um, you know, yeah. would you headhunt from my employees? And, that, and, uh, that awkward yeah, the question. awkward conversation. And I'll always look at me now and say, look, currently, technically, you're not a client. So yeah. yes, I am engaging your yeah. current employees. Yeah. And you know what? If you become a client, I will still continue to engage them. Yeah, you're not Don't, actively headhunting them. Yeah, I'm not them, actively headhunting. they've come yeah. to you. Yeah, Correct. absolutely. And I already have a relationship with them. I can't drop that relationship, right? Mm. Just because I start working with mm. you. Well, because we wouldn't exist as a business without candidates. Yeah. And I think if you say that, oh, of course, you know, I, I do find that with some HR, they don't really quite appreciate that. I think it's delivery though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you're not, yeah. aggre- you've never been an no, aggressive recruiter. Not, I'm just being honest. Yeah, it's yeah. the delivery I mean, of it, isn't it? And then and I could lie and say I won't. I could lie and say, you know what, I will never touch any of your employees. But that's what ev- this just, just as you were yeah. saying before, you know, what everyone mm. would normally say, you've, you've just got to be, you've got to be honest. Correct. And then, at least respect Correct. That. And then the other one that I find helps would be if they ask you things like, oh, what else? What is our market branding? What, is, mm. what are candidates' perception, mm. you know, of us? I will be truthful as well. Mm. I'm, but obviously politely truthful. Mm. And I'll say, mm. you know what? This is all via what I hear. I'm not saying yeah. that's the truth because I You're don't work there. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not judging, but, 
you know, there are probably areas that you could improve in based mm. on what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that is true. Yeah. Um, but that is what I actually hear. Yeah. And of course, um, if they ask, I mean, if you're lucky enough that at the first meeting, they potentially talk about a role, I'm also very transparent in terms of, I, I know people might find it hard to believe, it's quite funny. In 13 years, I have never once answered the question of, when can I see candidates directly? I find that to be quite an absurd question because I honestly wouldn't know until I start working on the role, right? Like, mm. for example, I know, let's say if I have a job, I take a job brief today. Mm. In my mind, I would already know who I can reach mm. out to, but I wouldn't have a clue as to how many of these people would be interested. Yeah, There is always that possibility of mm. me going through 50 people mm. and finding no one suitable or interested. Mm. So if I tell my client, I'll send you two CVs by Monday. How am I going to do that? Because I don't have an idea. Yeah. So I've never actually really once answered that question. I've never really looked at it like that, Wendy, at all. Never. No, I haven't. And I think, <laughs> yeah. that, I think that is such an absolutely fantastic piece of advice for people. Is, yeah, yeah, why are we go, saying, yeah. why are recruiters saying, yes, I'll get I'll it. Give it get I'll it, it, give it a shot list next week. Because, How would you know? Well, really, it's, it's basing it on their own KPIs internally, isn't it? Than anything. Right? I would love to turn around yeah. a job in two days. And I could actually, if candidates are interested. I can actually do it even within 24 hours. Mm. But that is the one part that I have no control over. Yeah. Um, so I don't ever overpromise and underdeliver. Mm. I will just be very upfront with my client in terms of what I can do and what I can't right. do. Right. So you'd rather push yeah. back and manage the Correct. client more for upfront. just what just yeah, just, you might be waiting a few more days, but yes. I'm not gonna promise a couple of days. Because I mean at the end of the day, it's not always a, it's not the speed. It's really of, not it's, the I mean, speed. not if you know, yeah. you're putting someone in place mm. in an organization, they've got to stay and it's again it's your reputation on the line. So you've got to yes. have time to be sourcing the right people. Correct. And but I'll update them every two days. Just to let them okay. know how the search is going okay. and why I'm struggling, if mm. I am struggling. I think the job is really totally about managing expectations. And um, mm. I tell my consultants, right, that there are some clients, to be quite honest, I've never been able to fill a single one of the roles. But every time they have a role, they still come back. Because you just need to manage the process well. Okay. And you don't fill roles, not necessarily because you didn't do a good job, but sometimes the job goes internal. Mm -hmm. There's always a better candidate out there, yeah. the possibility of that. Yeah. They get referrals, the headcount gets put on hold. Yeah. So you don't always close every job. But if you manage the process correctly, mm -hmm. I think they will still come back to you, even though you may not technically have successfully yeah. closed anything. I love that when you said when you're struggling, that you actually I will, tell will them. go back to them. Yeah. Because I think what, and, and you know, in the market you do hear of sort of clients complaining about recruiters where you just don't hear from them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they is you know as if they're the clients have to be kind of mind readers to know what's going on internally in a recruitment firm and you're so right being able to check in and say i've scaled the market we're here with yeah. this can we, can we, we have manage? a problem yeah, yeah. Do we need to look at salary again correct Do we need to you know change the, yep. the spec in some way yep um because you're a consultant at the end of the day but yep. i think there's that tendency where they feel that they have to have all the answers i but, think people are also difficult, afraid to have difficult conversations mm. that's why they probably disappear on clients but that's just worse right and do you um, think that's uh, I mean obviously Robert Waters is really diverse do you find that's an Asian thing do you think that people would you know they don't want to generally yes yeah. to generalise yeah. right but then um, again that's a generalisation because I wouldn't yeah. right? I can think of a few Asians who would have no issues having difficult conversations yes I'll be fine with it <laughs> <laughs> you are 100% fine you probably like them <laughs> Yeah, I don't enjoy them but has to be done it has to be yeah. done I suppose now when you're in a manager role yeah. you kind of have to be showing that Correct. you can that you can do that to show your team. Or, or you do that on behalf of your team sometimes yeah, if they can't, right? So, yeah. um, and actually it doesn't need to be difficult if no. you are 
it becomes more difficult the longer you leave it. That's yeah. the thing. People don't realize yeah. that. Or it only becomes difficult when you're not doing your job. Mm. So if you are and you're genuinely trying your best and you have done all of this and you transparently share that with the client, mm. why would it be difficult? Because mm. unless they are unreasonable. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe some recruiters may feel that it's a personal that they're not capable of finding those candidates. And so it doesn't make them look good. So they feel that they're not capable. So maybe it's, you know, advice to people listening is to sort of move away from that and think more about, okay, the client, what are they looking for? If I'm checking in with them and saying that we're struggling on this role, Mm. we are talking about it together. What's the solution? What are the options? What can we be looking at? As opposed to, I'm really sorry, I haven't haven't been able to get you any candidates. Yeah. Um, And taking a different stance on it, really. They all want unicorns, don't they? Yeah, they do. (laughs) I've never met one in 13 years. So, (laughs) but you know, um, I guess when you straight up tell a client it can't be be done at the first meeting, they won't accept it. And why would they, right? So you really have to demonstrate that you have tried mm. and of course have a plan B in mind in yeah. terms of the next best alternative, right? Because mm. it also doesn't help to go back to your client and say, I can't find anyone. Yeah. And, and so so what, what can we do next, right? Yeah. You can offer them suggestions as to maybe relaxing a couple of the criteria to mm-hmm. help yourself widen the pool. Mm. But I guess it, it, it's also two ways because you can only really build a relationship if the client genuinely wants to do that as well. Some of them also could be a little bit more transactional in the sense that they're not necessarily interested in the building relationship. They, mm. they just want you to fill the roles. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, I suppose, is just trying to build better relate. Or, well, it's also teaching HR to build good relationships mm. with recruiters because they will recruiters will go above and beyond if they feel they're being respected right can it's you a do two-way a podcast process. for the HR community yeah, on yeah. That? Uh, actually that series two is leadership and it will it will encompass HR great. as well because I think I think they really do have to have their say as well right you yes. know I think it's a two-way I'm thing 100% um, share with me an anecdote of when a client experience didn't go so well as you had hoped and was it something that was repairable yeah I thought about this one a fair bit right and until today, uh, to be honest, I still don't know why yeah. it didn't go that well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, to, to be honest, so I had I had a big um, PSL account back mm-hmm. in the day when things like that still existed. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and the organization back then had no talent acquisition. Right, and they Beautiful. were expanding quite rapidly, and there was just no way that um, HR would have been able to do that themselves. Right. So they probably outsourced everything, and I just happened, wow. I guess, to be at the right place at the right time. So I yeah. met. The client, when he just arrived in Singapore, he was an internal transfer. Mm. We got along at the meeting and then he just started to give me work. And then so I consistently filled the roles, which can be done fairly, I wouldn't say easily, but definitely achievable if let's say you were the only one working on it, right? Mm. So there was this one particular hiring manager that for some reason, we just never had a rapport. Really? It was tough. Why? Why was that? I don't know. He just never warmed up. He right. was... I don't know how to even describe him really. He was cold, quite cold, a bit cold, or, a bit mm, formal, right. which is fine because... Um, you came I, from Europe then? <laughs> English, I think. <laughs> Damn it, I really... But you are so I, not. You are so not, right? So And and I work for an English company. They're not all like that. But I just... <laughs> They're so mostly funny. not like that, in so, fact. So do you think... I mean, I, I sort of sometimes see when people come from overseas to Asia, it takes them a while to transition and realise that they can have relationships with recruiters. They kind of calm down a little bit and realise it's not the same. I have no did he, idea. Did he warm up ever or did nope, he, was he no. always cold fish? No, he was. So, so anyway, the process with him was a lot more difficult right. than the other positions I was feeling. The irony is 
I filled the role eventually. So he mm. hired my candidate, right? Mm. So so it couldn't have gone that badly. So also I thought. And but you then, wanted the relationship. Is that what you're saying? Where it wasn't no, so I, much of a I, I didn't even really want the relationship. But no. what I then realized was because it was such a big account, we had quarterly reviews. Yeah. So when I sat down with my HR for the quarterly review, he told me very honestly that he had given me a really bad rating. Wow. Yeah. And even though you'd filled the role. Even though I filled <gasps> the role. And he, he was... Thankfully, my HR was understanding and to be honest, right, he was the only person in the entire organization that gave, that gave me a bad rating. Wow. So I never understood why, but HR was understanding and he said, you know what? It's fine because, you know, we acknowledge the fact that you actually filled the position, right? And everyone else's feedback has always been positive. So maybe it's just a chemistry thing. Maybe he was looking for different things on that service. I don't know, coming from overseas. I have no I, idea. I don't know. It's and strange. then to answer your question as to whether it was ever repaired, I don't think so because then... I think maybe a year after that, when he wanted to look for a job himself, he went to my boss when right. he full well knew that actually the only person who could help him was me, right? Oh, wow. That's really <laughs> strange. It is very it, strange. Until today, I still don't get it. I almost want to say his name and say, he, hey, if you are listening, if you are listening, can you please call me and let me know where I screwed up? Because, yeah, yeah. What was it I said or did? God yeah, what did you. I do? I, I really don't get it. It's really very strange. That's a great story. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, on the same topic here, without naming names, obviously, mm. um, what have you done that's resulted in trust breaking down and were you able to restore it? You know, was it, you know, something on like maybe you weren't reliable, you didn't get, you you, you promised uh, mm. something and it didn't, you didn't deliver on it. Is there anything that you can give as an example? I could, but I'm not sure whether it technically constitutes trust breaking down. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you the story and you can let me know. So mm. fairly recently, we had a newish client mm-hmm. who was rapidly expanding, um, had a lot of positions to hire across different functions and, um, they came to me with some marketing roles mm. one month before their financial year was going to close, right? So yeah. they had a timeline because if they didn't fill those roles, they would have to resubmit the headcounts for approval. Mm. So we had a one-month time period. But it was interesting because they were hiring multiple people into mm. the same role, right? Mm. So it was one vacancy times five, let's say. Mm-hmm. But what was challenging was that they wanted candidates from my area but let's just say they are not in the same industry, right? So from a candidate's perspective, um, they have to really think about it. So I managed to put together a shortlist fairly fast. So I think I sent five candidates in total. Well, it could have been higher, but I didn't also realize that a lot of the people in that industry were not necessarily looking to make such a big radical mm. shift right, mm. in their career. Mm. So I got together five. Um, mm. Out of the five that they interviewed, they wanted to offer four of them the roles, right? Two of them rejected the office. Mm-hmm. One declined the opportunity to progress before we even got to the offer stage. Mm. And one took the role. So technically speaking, my hit rate was really not great. Mm. So I was working with talent acquisition and I was trying to explain to them why that was the case. Mm. So other than the fact that um, people had to really think about it hard after going through the interview. So they came back from the interviews and thought, you know what, it's really a big switch. I'm not sure whether I should really do that or I really want to do mm-hmm. that. To be honest as well, the interview process wasn't necessarily the best experience for some of the candidates. Right. The company has, let's just say, not 100% positive reputation in the market as well. So there were a lot of other factors in play, which I tried to explain to talent acquisition, mm-hmm. right? But I think what she said to me was, I think the business felt like I wasted their time. Because right. they ended up interviewing a lot of people, right? They couldn't hire right. anyway. 
and they were not that open in terms of the rest of the feedback that I provided. Right. So that was that. So it's kind of well, it's a two way thing, though. Isn't yeah, it? You it can't is. you can't really you know they have got to take that responsibility in how the yes. candidate experiences. Yes. Right? So so they were saying that oh then you should really put people who are genuinely interested in the mm. opportunity. This doesn't work like that. There's so it much opportunities for people out there. That you've got to, you've got yeah. to really wow yeah. everyone right now. Yeah. Right? And to be fair to the candidates, how would they know whether they're interested or not until they met a couple of people and had conversations? Yeah, it's a bit arrogant actually, isn't it? It's an arrogant well, approach. You say that, not me. Yeah, I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> in case they know, I'm not in, in, the, in case anymore. they know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so... If you're not willing to learn no one can help you grow. If you're determined to learn, no one can stop you. Keep listening to Talent Talk Asia. I'm curious to know what ways you found more success when you first reach out to a potential client. So when you, you know, it's a new client, you haven't spoken to them before, what channels have you found that really works for you? You know, whether it be sort of social channels or is it more emails or cold calls or what What have you found really works for you? Because I'm, you know, it's one of the things that most recruiters talk to me in trainings is <laughs> what's the best approach um, when you reach out to a new client? My teams laugh at me. I'm old school. I like the phone. Yeah. <laughs> if it was someone that I didn't know. So what is the phone again? Sorry. <laughs> I leave voicemails, right? And I, Dude, I, people still have voicemails. See, that's exactly what they tell me. I mm. say, yeah, I mean, if, they, if there's somebody asking you to leave a voicemail, you leave a voicemail and they call you back. Oh, they say no they call you. probably does it, right? They say they call you back because they see the number, not because you left a voicemail. But I'm old school. I really do still leave voicemails. I like the phone the best because... Um, it's two ways, if you know what I mean. You can, mm. because if you send something via email, a text, LinkedIn message, it's one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't respond, they don't respond, right? Yeah. But of course, I would I would use that if I'm not able to get them via the phone. Yeah. Um, but what also helps, also, I guess maybe because I've been fortunate to have done this for a while, um, I can get people to refer me as well. So I think that's... So it's a warm... warm. Yeah, right, right. Okay. correct. So like yeah. if I didn't know, I mean, I would call somebody who I know is connected with the person and say, yeah. would you mind, you know, yeah. making an introduction? Yeah. I think that helps. Yeah. And I think from a lot of... I think sometimes people forget, but some of my best clients are place candidates still. Mm. I think sometimes you you kind of forget. Yeah. yeah. And if you treat them well throughout the process, mm. even when you place them and, you know, maybe their first job, they are single contributors, so they technically can't really give you any work, right? Yeah. But you stay in touch with them consistently, you know, um, are there for them. You don't just play somebody and then forget about them. Mm. And one day, they will reach a position whereby mm. they are able to actually mm. hire people. Especially in a place like Singapore, yeah. it's so totally. small. The, you know, people everyone they know, everyone. You know, sometimes when you're placing guys that have done military service, right, on national service, mm. they always know someone else. And it's it's a small, small it's network, too small. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's scarily small. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you said at the beginning about that whole experience as a candidate. Yes. That's kind of, if, if anything, kept you doing the service that you give because you've gone through that as well. It does make a difference yeah. how someone interacts with you. It's- but also meeting you. I find I'm sort of keen to hear your thoughts on this. You know, not every recruiter meets the candidates mm. that they represent. What, what's yeah. your thoughts on that? <sighs> I used to be non-flexible, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason why you can kind of be allowed not to meet candidates is if you have a very, very tight timeline. Mm-hmm. That said though, it better be somebody that somebody else on the team has met. Yeah. Because if not, it's really just too hard to tell. Yeah. And if I send a candidate to my client mm. under those circumstances, I actually even tell my clients, just to let you know, because you've given me such a tight timeline mm. due to schedule, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't met this person yet. 
but I've done a proper phone screening. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you want to cover yourself as well because yeah. you really don't know. Or, or you yeah. haven't met my colleague has. Correct, yes. Who that is. Because yeah. again, you don't want to everyone, pretend that you have. Yeah. 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 And you do get caught out sometimes, right? So, and... So that's one way. And then the other thing that I feel very, very strongly about, which I really hope the newer, the younger consultants can also try and do is yeah. don't meet candidates only when you have a job for them. I don't get oh, that part. I just love to hear you say I really that. don't get that part. Like, why wouldn't you meet somebody to network, to yeah. build your own understanding mm. further on the area that you're yeah. recruiting in? Yeah have a connection, that person mm. is probably going to hire people one day. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There are so, so many reasons to meet someone. Mm. And talking about a job is only one of them. So do you, so would advice be to those new recruiters out there then that when they look at their diary for the week, their plan for the week, it's not just meeting candidates for direct roles. It's I always tell my consultants to try. building yep. your network. Correct. And so that when they are looking or yep. if they're a client or a candidate, yep. you've just constantly got those relationships. 100%. Yeah. Like, it's more genuine, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't make sense because how could you not be interested to know a little bit more about mm. what you are recruiting in, right? Mm. And and it will never be a waste of time. Mm. Okay, don't, don't get me wrong. Of course, you meet quality candidates for such purposes. Yeah. 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 So, but there's never a wasted meeting. Never. Yeah. Never. So, and of course, um, to be fair, right, it's impossible to get back to everyone. Mm. The, I mean, mm. it is possible to get back to everyone because honestly, I do, but yeah. at different levels of detail, I guess. So, yeah. for example, you know, you get so many overseas applicants that you can't help. Yeah. The volume of that. Yeah, the volume, Especially right? It's a full-time Asia, job. It's, it's a full-time a job. Volume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No offense to those people. We have a standard response. Yeah. And yeah. they get that standard response yeah. because I just can't reply to everyone. No, of course. For somebody who writes to me and is personal, I try to make it mm. a personal, mm. a little bit more personal. Mm. So I have a more personalized standard response, if there is such yeah. a thing <laughs> that I use for them. For people that are referred by other good clients or good candidates, mm. I will call them if I can. Mm. If not, I will really give them a personalized email. Yeah. And for people, yeah, for people that are referred by really, really good people and they say, can you do me a favor? I'll mm. meet the person. Mm. Because it's all about connections, right? Is, and absolutely. relationships. But also I think it's the emotional side of it. I think especially when financial services, mm. you know, in 2008, it wasn't global financial crisis. That's what I was trying to say. There was a lot of people being let go. Mm. So emotionally people were, you know, it was it was awful times for people that were just being sacked. They had bills to pay. You know, it was that time where you really did have to put yourself out and meet people because yep. they, they kind of needed you. It wasn't just a phone call. You, you know, come and let's have a coffee and, yep. um, you know, what, let's have a look and see what we've got out there and speculatively get get their get their cans get their yeah. profiles out there and I really do think it's taken away from just the sales side of recruitment role mm. but also realizing what they need what a candidate yep. needs totally they are at home going through hell trying to get a new job mm. thinking about the bills they've got to pay and if you were one of those recruiters that says let's go and, let's go and grab a coffee let's 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 have a think about where we can send yep. you as opposed to I only have this one role with this one client that's all I'm going to talk to you about because that person will always remember, you know, especially if they're Singaporean and they're here forever. Um, you know, you've <laughs> True. Really, you, you know, it's making that effort, isn't it? Yeah. And I think from a candidate's perspective, it's just like myself. It's just frustrating because you have no idea what's going on when you don't get any response. Mm. And so I find that when you explain why you can't help them, they understand. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're going to pass you permanently, right? Mm-hmm. Because you just need to tell them, oh, you know, tightening of EPs, for example, yeah. or like in this market, based on the market conditions, these are the skill sets that the clients are looking for, the experience yeah. that they want. Yeah. You don't really have that. And it doesn't make sense for us to try and help because clients become less open-minded when 
there's a recruitment fee attached to it. So yeah, I would say, send your CV directly to clients. They yeah. might be more open-minded. There's no fee, I love right? That. I love that piece of advice. Yeah. You're putting them first. You're putting Yeah, I will never get them first. a job. Yeah. I will, never. But they'll always yeah. remember and they'll probably be a client yeah. in the long term. I wouldn't, yeah. and I wouldn't want to have that on me because mm. then, oh, you pretend that you, you're going to try and help them when you know that you can't. Yeah. Um, I'll just say use your network. Yeah. Network. Um, yeah. Get somebody to refer you, apply directly. When there is no, I guess, recruitment fee involved, yeah. clients mm. could be a bit more open-minded. Yeah, mm. I love that. That's a really good thing to share. What impact has the likes of LinkedIn had on how you recruit? Because obviously back in the day, mm. it wasn't. I remember when LinkedIn came oh into my God. Yeah. Trying, oh, this is going to take off. No, of course it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a fan of LinkedIn <laughs> since day one. Um, what effect? It has, I think, pros and cons, right? Mm. Pros, it's really useful for name gathering, mm. mapping, yeah. and just getting a rough sense of how a shortlist or like an area that you can recruit in looks like your space, mm. right? And now with talent insights and stuff like mm. that, it's, it's really quite powerful, the mm. stuff that it can do. Mm. But that's the passive side, right? Because it still does not replace relationships. Anyone, my mum included probably these days, could get a name of LinkedIn, right? Yeah. But how you interact with that name, not mm. everyone can do that in the same manner. Yeah. yeah. Everyone gets um, lots of LinkedIn emails, right? Mm. And I've seen horrendous ones myself. Mm. Um, notes that are obviously spam almost, well, right? these are ones to clients. This is what you're talking about. No, I, I personally, old school as well. I know people do that. Yeah. I actually use LinkedIn only for candidates. Okay. I have, yeah. Oh my God, maybe I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> no, 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 you're a successful yeah. recruiter. We want to hear it. No, I have good. not really used LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, Mr. Potential Client, can we do this? Because I'm old school. Remember? You're picking up, so you're picking up the phone to the client yeah. and you're using LinkedIn for candidates. Correct. Yeah, so I've just only used, actually, I literally just realized that I've only used LinkedIn for, <laughs> for, candidate, for candidate purposes, right? But I think you need to take the relationship further than mm. a LinkedIn. So mm. if you're lucky, they actually respond to you and they give you their contact details. It really starts from there when yeah. you, with your first interaction with them, yeah. right? There's also a lot of cons, unfortunately. I guess it makes recruiters more transactional. Yeah. I mean... Because talent it, acquisition correct. has access to all yeah. of that as well. Yeah. So it also makes it easy to just hide behind just emails and mm. notes. Like, mm. I don't know, like, some consultants, newer consultants, everything seems to be via WhatsApp. Mm. To be fair, some of the clients prefer that and I get that, right? Mm. Yeah, they and might respond quicker that correct, way. They, yeah. may not, they may be uncomfortable sometimes over the correct, phone as well. Correct, yeah. But yeah, I miss the good old days. Yeah, just get on the phone. When there, was, there yeah. were only meetings and the phone. That was it. <laughs> it's a lot. You I still th- keep doing it. It's working for you, Wendy. It's fine. You I think maybe it, it takes more time, but... It does. T- no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Though? It doesn't no, because I find though, typing... On WhatsApp, it takes even longer. I find it a pain, to be honest. Yeah. Personally, myself. And I then would you've got to craft the LinkedIn email, which takes forever if you... Yeah. yeah I, pref- totally. I always tell my consultants, it should always be meeting. If you cannot get a meeting, talk to the client. Yeah. If you can't talk to the client, the phone. Yeah, yeah, send an email. That can, that should be the last resort. I don't yeah. want to see you guys like hiding behind the screens on yeah. your phones all day long. Yeah. Where is the human interaction? We are human business. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. Love that. The recruitment industry, as we said before, is really comp- really mm. competitive. So what advice would you give on how to build, you know, build a great relationship with a client, have a long lasting one that they can perhaps put into practice tomorrow? What would be the one piece of advice? I know we've covered quite a lot today, to mm. be honest, but would there be one massive takeaway? This is hilarious. I just realized you wrote, 
client-facing role, right? I did, yeah. Which is what a did bit, you think? It's a bit funny these days because a lot of people don't face clients. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Seriously. Yeah. No, I think just be... The one piece of advice is... I know it sounds extremely generic and it may sound a little bit... I don't know altruistic almost to a certain degree but I feel you should always be genuine sincere and not have any expectations Mm. I mean it drives me crazy when I hear throwaway comments like oh you know I went all the way to Tuas I didn't get a role why would you go to Tuas though god come on (laughs) Industrial clients, some of them. For those outside of Singapore, it's miles away. Yeah, I went all the way to Tuas. I mean, you know, it's three (laughs) hours back and forth. I didn't, I didn't pick up a role. My God, if only it were that easy. (laughs) Like, what the hell? You, you don't get a role in the first meeting. It just doesn't make any sense. Manage expectations. Yeah, but I guess it's instant gratification these days, right? Mm. With the way we consume media Mm. and stuff like that. Mm. I think that has got to change because I think it impacts the mindset of people. You then want something in return for everything that you do. Love and I that think that. that works yeah. against you. Yeah. I actually really honestly don't put an expectation to every relationship that I have or mm-hmm. every meeting that I have or every conversation that I have. So you're un- so what you're saying, you're underselling than overselling, really. I prefer that. Yeah. 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 Or I just sell at the honest right level. Mm-hmm. Uh, be very transparent what you can do, what you cannot mm-hmm. do. Always get back to people. Mm-hmm. I think it's about service, if you ask me, mm-hmm. because it's still a a service job, right? The one key takeaway would be really provide good service. And that mm. doesn't necessarily always mean just filling a job. I mean, filling a job is, is a process, right? Mm. There's so many parts of the process where you could let people down. Mm. Not giving them feedback, not getting back to people when you tell them that you're getting back to them by the date that you tell them you're getting mm. back by. Not giving, I don't know, honest feedback, um, so many steps that you could really, there's so many places where I think you could really fall short of people's expectations. So just understanding and managing expectations properly. I think people need to feel like they can trust you and rely on you. Yeah. Once you let them down, right, I think there's really no coming back. Yeah. 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 What do you think clients are looking for from recruiters in the future or now? And will that be the same in the future, do you think? Mm. Um, it's a good question because back to my point earlier on, it actually really depends on the client. Mm. Um, I've got clients, quite honestly, who they don't care who the recruiter is. They just want to <laughs> work with anyone who can fill their roles. Anyone with a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> Not the most fulfilling relationships. No. Um, and I think relationships is two ways, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But there are some clients who actually look at you beyond just filling jobs. Like, yeah. I've had some interesting discussions with some clients who would come and say, hey, I need to pick your brain. I'm thinking about this structure for next year. What, what are your thoughts? Obviously, I'm not going to get anything out of that, right? But I enjoy that because then I also know mm. that they see you beyond just a yeah. person who can fill jobs for them. It's a partner, them. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so they come to you for advice on things like structure, what mm. they can do better. Sometimes mm. even like it's my commission scheme um, you know, on par with what mm. the market is paying. Mm. So I think the really, really good clients who are keen to build a relationship with you, they will not be looking at you just to literally fill jobs. Yeah, it's, you're not just yeah. a recruitment partner. You're not. I think that's that's probably when you know you've got that strong Correct. relationship when they come into you and with things you. outside yeah. of that. Correct. Yeah. And they, they trust you. Sometimes they trust you with confidential information like, mm. hey, you know what, between you and I, this person is not quite working out. What are my options, you know, in the market if mm. I have to replace eventually? Yeah. 
oh, even better. I have somebody who is really not working out. Can you find that person a job? Yeah, I've had that one a few times. <laughs> oh, Too many. Particularly like those ones. I know. I say, mm, okay, can, I mean, just to be equally transparent, you need to tell me what the issues are because I don't want <laughs> yeah, exactly. to give this lemon to another client, right? But sometimes it's not, it may not be a competency thing. It could be a cultural thing. Yeah. Then you just find them somewhere where you think that culturally yeah. wouldn't be an yeah, issue. Exactly. Yeah. So those kind of things, I think, um, could separate you from mm. just a recruiter who can fill jobs. Mm. Because technically speaking, if you're a recruiter, you should be able to fill jobs. Mm. Yeah. And when you were talking about being privy to those kind of strategic mm. conversations, does that help when you're then going out to market to speak to clients about what, not to talk about mm. that organisation, yeah. but just those trends, those insights, yeah. those, you know, is that still what your clients are interested to hear from you as opposed to just purely CVs information? Yeah. So I think if I go and see a brand new client, obviously there is a bit of an introduction on what we do, mm. um, the company, but you know, what we do is not rocket science. We mm. do what every other recruitment company does. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, I love it when they say what separates you, right, from the rest. And, and, and the honest answer is, I think there can only be one answer, is actually the recruiter. Yeah. No offense. People um, buy off people. Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have a great brand. I mean, we do a lot of good marketing stuff and all that, but fundamentally, if mm. you are not providing a good service, mm. all that isn't going to help you. Yeah. Um, and then after I go through all that, get an understanding of their business, I usually like, um, whether they ask or not, I usually give them an idea of what's going on in the market that's relevant to them. Yeah. Because sometimes clients are so caught up in their day-to-day, -day, mm. they don't really have the time no. to really you know, go and find out all this information no. or or if let's say if I've seen like, because I do mainly sales and marketing, if I see some interesting campaigns that they've done, yeah. I like to talk about that as well because yeah, nice. I'm also a consumer. Yeah. Still interested yeah. in brands and stuff right. like that, right? So um, anything that hopefully makes the whole process a little bit less like transactional and mm. selling. Mm. Because I, mm. I know it sounds funny, but I don't necessarily think I enjoy selling mm. i enjoy like building zone. relationships yeah i enjoy yeah. hitting targets obviously um yeah. selling gets me selling is what i have to do i guess um yeah. but but you've done it in a way that yeah, you're comfortable with my own way and maybe. it's authentic yeah. yeah and sometimes maybe you know if my bosses knew some of the stuff they may not particularly <laughs> be that impressed because maybe i've done some stuff that may not have made sense commercially at that point in time at that time but, but it's for the longer term yeah. and I'm cool with that because I cannot operate any other way yeah not, not, not me anyway yeah I can't Wendy it's been an absolute delight I know you were nervous about talking to me but Super. we it, you know it was a fantastic session where you shared so many insights and I think anyone listening is just going to be so grateful that they're able to get that advice and go on and be great recruiters so thank you so much for your time it was great to see you thank you for yours as well You've been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. 